1: flyweight champion of the world
0: this is fast eddie chambers and you're listening to the box Hard podcast with my main man joey cosmo
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 239 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week by the former heavyweight world title challenger, the man himself. It is, of course, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, man. How are you feeling?
2: Very good, very good. Obviously, we're uh, we're all we're all um, not in the best place right now with this coronavirus and all the rest of it. But that aside, everything is okay yeah. with me. And um, how about yourself?
0: Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, just taking everything as it is. Got to deal with
2: it. <laughs> taking everything as it is. So again, for those mm-hmm. for those that are listening to me here, um, we're we're gonna be quite unstructured this week once again. You know, we're not really rehearsing anything. We're just gonna kind of babble, but um, not too much because mm-hmm. myself and Eddie are um, are known for. Uh, we we can just talk and talk and talk for hours, and no one wants to hear that. So we're gonna, yeah, are <laughs> gonna try. You might
0: you actually might be surprised, Joe. <laughs> Some of our conversations are actually, you know, listen. I think a lot of people would like to listen to that. Believe believe
2: me. Yeah, hopefully, but um, yeah, we'll we'll try to not keep them for too long. This week, um, it's been yeah. it's been an interesting kind <laughs> of um run, really, with, with the podcast. Like I say. Um, you know, since this <laughs> since this lockdown and, and the pandemic came around, obviously, I think the last normal show we did was, um, I think it was back in, I think it was the 12th of March, we released a podcast and we had Callum Johnson and Lee Selby on and since then I've tried to do my best to deliver a, a different world champion every week really since. Um, you know, just new guys that the podcast listeners haven't listened to before. So we had, of course, Stuart Hall, the um, the, the former IBF bantamweight world champion. Then the week after, we had Bemain Stavern. Mm-hmm. The week after, we had the undefeated mm-hmm. um, former British champion Zach Parker. After that, we had um, former world champion. Lou DeVal, after that we had Jamel Herring, who's of course been on um, many, many times, and then after that we had Bones Adams, after that we had Randy Caballero, and then last week, Johnny Nelson. Um, As it stands right now, this podcast will be going out on Friday, which is a day late to usual, so I apologise that you're all going to be hearing this a day late um as it stands not quite sure who the guest will be but hopefully it's going to be another world champion that we've never had on before anyway um we're going to just discuss some some fights uh you know that that we'd like to see when boxing does resume but just just i want to take mm. a real quick trip down memory lane just um just just for a moment here uh, you know, people People may know this, people may not. Again, there's a lot of people that listen to the pod now that didn't listen to the pod back when it started in 2015, understandably. So, basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, the podcast kind of started because, you know... I like to share my opinions in boxing. I like to think I know a little bit about what I'm saying, what I'm speaking about. And, um, you know, I just mm. kind of thought to myself at the time I was listening to a few podcasts and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, do you know what? If I started a podcast, I know a lot of these guys, um, on a, on a fairly personal level. I reckon I can get some mm. good guests on. Now, all I could really think of at the time mm. was, you know, yourself, Eddie, Peter Fury, obviously, you know, mm. thanks to you. I kind of got close with the Furies for a while. And, um, Right. And you know, and and I just thought, right, so the first guest I ever had on the show was Peter Fury, and never in the world did mm-hmm. I think that it would it would go on for this long and we'd get on some of the names that, that, that we've had on over the years. You know, it's mm-hmm. just kind of snowballed and um I think we're on about let me just double check, I think we're on about something crazy, like eighty nine different world champions we've had on the show now, trying mm-hmm. to get to a hundred um, you know, Maybe even before the pandemic's over. Who knows? We've got a few world champions in the pipeline. Um... But yeah, you know, I'm definitely not saying yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not the best interviewer in the world. I don't I don't claim to be, but mm-hmm. I'd like to think we get some of the best guests on on the show for sure. I think that's that's unrivaled. But anyway, enough enough with the I'm um, blowing um, blind smoke up my own backside there, Eddie. What were you going to say?
0: <laughs> no, I was actually going to comment on that and say, no, you're not you're not too bad an interviewer, to be honest. You you <laughs> do pretty good. Bad. Seriously, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to blow the smoke i'm not trying to blow extra smoke up there you know what I mean? <laughs> but pause but anyway um um no the, the reality of it is i feel like you're pretty you're pretty pretty good on the mic to be honest you know what i mean you, you 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 have baseline questions you ask you don't you don't stutter too much when you talk everything's been pretty good you go right you get right to the point i like it so no problem for me
2: thank you eddie thank you eddie um but yeah getting on uh-huh. to the Getting on to some of the fights that we want to see um, in in you know by the time boxing resumes, um, again we're, we're going to try mm-hmm. to keep this keep this uh, not not we're g- we don't want to be discussing for too long we don't want to go off topic too much but let's start a heavyweight Eddie obviously the division you know oh. best um, <laughs> you know I, w- I want to talk just just briefly some people again some people probably aren't going to like this but. Huey Fury, I want to start with. He's a guy that you know okay. started his 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 pro career. He, he kind of for himself in the deep end a bit. I mean, it took a while for him to mm-hmm. for him to take on the you know the big fighters and stuff like that. Obviously, there was a lot of talk at the time. Um, you know, he, he's a young guy t- turning pro. Everyone wanted to see him step mm-hmm. up. Everyone wanted to see him fight Joshua when he was about twenty three or so, or twenty two. I think he's only twenty. Yeah. Uh, only about 20, 23 or four. Now, what am I talking about? about when he when was about 20, they they wanted the Joshua fight then because I think they'd had the same amount of yeah. fights or something crazy like that. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. when he has stepped up against Joseph Parker, a fight which I felt Huey Fury did enough that night, by the way. Um, and then, obviously, he's had yeah. the losses to Povetkin and Pulev. No shame in that. But um, a lot of people mm-hmm. at the minute are saying he's really boring, he's he's horrible to watch, he's not that good. Someone said it to me on Twitter the other day, um, I, I put a question out saying can you name all the Boxing Fury family, everyone that's boxed? And um, I don't even think you could probably name them all, Eddie, despite knowing most of them. Probably, probably not. Because
0: but... I, I would think all of them did, so I would just say everybody, but... but... Uh, but no, go ahead. I'm
2: I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I was just gonna say, like I asked that question and someone replied saying, "Who really cares? Only one of them's good," obviously meaning Tyson. Wow. So um, right. that is the that is the consensus though for a lot of guys. A lot of people think that Huey Fury's not that good. So I want to ask you, Eddie. Obviously, you've mm. you've spent <laughs> a lot a lot of time with him in the gym. Obviously, it was a while ago. Right. Since then, he stepped up. Um, but who do you think right. he can be out of the top guys that perhaps some people will listen to this and disagree with you but you know you know more than those guys
0: of course well I think uh, in my opinion he's capable of uh, being in there with any of them you know obviously I felt like he won the, the Parker fight it was close you know what I mean either way you know go either way type thing but I still thought he did enough to win just as you did Um, you know the the Pulev and the Poveca fights are a little rough you know what I mean a different styles styles make fights at the end of the day when you look at Uh, you know, his style and the way he fights. And of course, you got to think about this too. Floyd Mayweather, most people think he's boring, you know what I mean? But he's successful. He's figured out a way and he's had some close fights too, to where a lot of people thought he lost, you know what I mean? So, but because he's undefeated and he's, you know, money, Mayweather, you know what I mean? They kind of overlook, you know, his flaws or, or the fact that he's boring, quote unquote. And I think with Huey, because he's not, you know, he hasn't won a world title. He isn't super, super famous, you know, even though it's being attached with Tyson, he's still very, very good quality. I've said that since he was 17 years old. When I first sparred with him, I said, you know, he, first of all, he has a great chin and he, he understands he knows the way around the ring. You know what I mean? And, and has good, good, no, not good. He great boxing ability. You know what I mean? But the thing is, everybody in, you know, a lot of casuals are not going to see it and and, and enjoy that part of it. You know what I mean? Some of the stuff that he does, the switching, you know, his head movement, even for for a guy 6'6", that heavy, you know what I mean? To be able to do some of the things he does, you have to give credit, you know, that he has ability, you know what I mean, that he can do things. It's just that I feel like sometimes he's a little, not slow, but slow to get started. And when you have a busy guy in front of you or a guy who knows he can hustle, you know what I mean, to throw some punches and get them off, even if he's not landing or not being as accurate, the judges are going to lean to him. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's what Huey's been a victim of with a lot of these fights. And with Povetkin in particular, I can kind of attest to it, even though I felt like I gave the fight away at the end of the fight with with, uh, Povetkin, he is the kind of guy that will hustle. If you allow him to get busy and just throw punches, even if they're empty punches, you know what I mean, then he'll just, you know... He'll start to uh, he'll 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 actually win the fight that way, like I said, I can attest. You know what I mean. I was in there winning for 12 rounds, and I felt like I had had the first five or six rounds in my pocket, and I came off the gas. Understandably, I wasn't properly prepared, and it showed. But he realized it and saw that I was, you know, basically had my hands in my pocket, and took over. And just and he wasn't so much doing things skill-wise that I couldn't handle. Obviously, it was just he was busy. And he knew that I'm home, basically, and all I have to do is keep my hands moving. And if I'm out punching him, I'm gonna win, which is what happened. So I feel like sometimes Huey's a victim to you know a victim of that, and sometimes uneducated judges. To be quite fair, I don't want to. I, I mean, to be quite honest, I don't want to be unfair to the judges. It's like that, that's a tough job, but you gotta see boxing for what it is, and you gotta understand the criteria. And I think these guys who do judge the fight sometimes don't quite understand it and they're literally looking for the guy who's the busiest and I think that can be a problem for guys like Huey and to be honest it would be a problem for Floyd if he wasn't so popular but the reality of it is he's he is popular and Huey's not as popular as he should be and but to go back what we were talking about as far as who he can beat and I feel like he's in there with everybody I feel like he has the ability to be in there with any of them and if you like want to say okay we're well, Wilder or even some of the guys he lost to I feel like I feel like like with with a guy like Wilder, just has to be really really careful. But he has the ability, without a doubt, to outbox him for twelve rounds easily.
2: Um, Andy, let me, me just jump in mm-hmm. quickly. I can throw some names at you. I'll go through like the box rank right okay. top ten, and you okay. just give me okay. either just a short sentence or just even a who would you favor him against? That's the question. So I'll okay. throw a few names. At you. Okay, obviously That's good. That's good. we're going to leave Tyson Fury out of it, of course. Um, but, of course, you know, him aside. <laughs> who would you favor, Huey Fury or Wilder?
0: I would favor Huey in a boxing match. He's got to stay out of the way of the right hand.
2: So you think he beats Wilder? Obviously.
0: I feel like he has the ability to beat Wilder. You know but what I mean? I feel like had, he has the
2: style. If you had, I don't know, if, if someone said to you, here's $10,000, you're going to put it all on one day. <sighs> you've got to back Wilder. I, I,
0: got, I'm a, I'm, I mean, I would. I would bet I would if I had money. But it, even then, I'll still put it on him because I feel like he, I'm not saying that anybody could just take the shot, and I'm not saying that. But if he's smart and he's well, he's he's gonna be smart. He's gonna box smart. But if if he does, he has the ability to avoid the right hand. Listen, how many guys was Wilder fighting? There's no disrespect to Wilder. Even Wilder understands this. How many guys <laughs> was Wilder fighting who was less of a boxer than than uh, yeah, Huey?
2: No, that was winning the fight. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's true, but they all got knocked out in the end. So let me rephrase it. If if yeah. if someone has a gun to your head, Eddie, and says, Pick the winner of this fight, if you get it wrong, boom, who are you picking? <laughs> that's
0: messed up joe you can't do that you can't put me all, you, on I remember, the front i
2: remember when i was yeah. out there you, you put i'm not gonna bring up the situation but <laughs> i remember when we were driving yeah, homes, and you were talking about if someone put right, a gun something. to your head about something i ain't even gonna bring that up <laughs> yeah that's true yeah yeah yeah.
0: we're gonna leave that back but look at the end of the day that's funny. i'm i'm watching i'm watching you know i'm watching the fighters to avoid that right hand for twelve rounds is going to be difficult.
2: So your favorite gun one.
0: to my head, gun gun to my head. I'll say he may catch him.
2: Okay. I might have
0: to say. All right, that's that's the only thing. But he has the ability without a doubt. And even then, he does. He has
2: a good a good enough chin. I just wouldn't want to say it. But he tested in that situation. But all right, yeah, he's got a good chin. He's got a good damn chin. you. Had- um, yeah, no, he, he has got a good chin, Huey, for sure, and he can box, really definitely, good, really good. Chin. Um, yeah. Joshua, just give me one word, Eddie, because we're gonna be here all night, though. If you if you keep oh you no, no, no 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 <laughs> no,
0: he just can't out let Joshua out busy him, but he has the ability to beat him. So uh, I I I, I want to go Huey on this one. Huey
2: beats Joshua.
0: Well, he has, like I said, he has the ability to, and if he's out there and he, get, he gets the opportunity, I feel like he can. I really do. I'm not trying to be just because I know him. You know what I mean? I don't feel like he's he could punch. I'm not saying he can't punch, but I feel like he, he can take it enough. He has the ability over him. Uh, I mean, I, it's 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 hard for me to say. Like like you just said, if there's a gun to my head, like I'm looking, Wilder. <laughs> Wilder is not gonna beat him in a boxing match, and I don't think that, um, that Anthony Joshua honestly can outbox him either. I'm just, I'm just, this is on paper, obviously. We're just looking at the, you know, looking at even on, well, on paper, actually, you would have to say Joshua because, you know, theoretically. But, I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't think he, out, he can outbox box Huey. I really don't. They're the same size. Huey's a better boxer. Hmm. That's my honest opinion.
2: Um, you
0: sick. so That's a little, that's a little tough because like we just said, Huey gets, he starts sometimes a little slow. Tries to box, maybe one punch at a time. At he it just he'll get behind on the cards. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. With you sick. yeah, I I, I right. like that. Assessment. That's true there because these other guys yeah. that we've mentioned, um, Wilder, Joshua, they're going to be in mm-hmm. front of you. They're not going to be, you know, right. like, like right. Yusick, right. you know, with the, with the distance right. and all the rest of it. Um, let's right. skip Povetkin because we've seen that fight. Um, Andy mm-hmm. Ruiz.
0: That's a tough one. Tough. That's a tough one because Andy Ruiz is a really, really, really slick, fast-handed fighter. Huey has to just keep him on the end of it. He's smart about it and pick his shot. In this fight, he would have to pick his shots a little more than in other situations because he doesn't want to put himself in a situation because Andy Ruiz will punch with you. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be tough. You know what I mean? It would be a very, very tough fight, but he can win a boxing match. He just has to keep at range. We've already seen Joshua do it, and I don't think Joshua was the boxer that Huey is. And and this always happens. I know I'm not going to spend time on time you know, too much time on it, but there'll be a guy that'll come out of nowhere, and they like, yo, where did this guy come from? He always was a good fighter. He just had, he had the ability. He just wasn't able to put it all together on the night. So Huey lost a few fights. That happens. But he has the ability he gets in there on the right night he's going to beat somebody that people don't expect him to just because they don't know that he's that good you know what i mean or they don't they don't they don't respect him that he's that good you know yeah. so i mean in in that fight is rough but if he keeps him on the end of the jab he can win he definitely can win that
2: um. Yeah. Both men had close fights with Joseph Parker. Both men had a real, right. real argument that they that they should have got the victory on 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 the on on points right. on both nights there. The Andy
0: Andy Ruiz aside from music, is probably going to be the toughest one. Yeah. That I can think of. It. Unless you got another one for me, that I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I didn't think about well, that. I'm
2: one. not gonna. <laughs> I'm not. I'm purposely gonna avoid. Michael Hunter on this on this little argument here. Oh yeah, 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 yeah that's a in. that's
0: a good idea. Yes, please. <laughs> um Even though Mike is definitely in the in the picture up there, you sure, know that for sure. Dillian White. You know, I like Dillian. It's my man. You know, what I mean, I got respect for him too. But Huey definitely. You know what I mean? There's, it, Dillian has gotten a lot better as a boxer. He's done some great things, and since the loss of Joshua, he's actually picked up his game a bit. You know what I mean? But he, once him, again, he, I'd say to be honest. Yeah, 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 honestly, you know. Um, but even that, you know, he's still – and I feel like sometimes, in a, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but him being a little bit too straight-up lock-kneed, he has, he has boxing ability. I'm not saying he doesn't. He's a heavy-handed guy who wants to – you know, wants to get to a fire. He does box some. I'm not saying he doesn't. But I just don't think he'll be able to do that same thing with uh, Huey because Huey's game is to box. It's gonna be very difficult for him to fight him at game. I I like Huey in that. I know it might sound a little crazy, and it sounds like I'm am being biased, but actually I'm not. You see, I picked a, a couple guys that you know what I mean. It might be who knows. So,
2: and the last really two, the last two. Um, again, I was looking at the box mm-hmm. rec top ten, but we've kind of turned it into a jumbled up top ten. But the last two. Um, I know who you're going to favor in this one, and I'm going to agree with you for sure. Um, a lot of people are going to think we're crazy or bias or whatever, but Derek Chisora, I think Huey beats him. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. no doubt. No doubt. It's just, once again, and he's just he just can't allow that face forward, head forward, you know, busy style to, to let it get behind on the cards, which I don't think will happen. I think he'll help box Chisora, you know, without a doubt and I like Chisora, he, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, you know, what you see is what you get. Come forward, you know, I'm going to put my foot, you know, where the sun don't shine kind of guy, which is cool. But I feel like Huey can outbox him.
2: Yeah, it's not, it's not Huey's game up close and personal, the way Chisora likes to fight. And, uh, you know, right. Huey, Huey is sensible. That's why some people mock him and say right. that, you know, he's a bit safety first, he's a bit boring, stuff like that. His style is mm. all wrong for Chisora. And to be honest, if I was Very Chisora's well. management team, that's probably the one guy I wouldn't want to fight because I don't think uh, losing to him is going to gonna get him anywhere, to be honest, Chisora. But then again, he's he's got quite a few losses. No. I don't think he even really cares these days. Um, and the final one... Um, Oh, it's, it's a tough one to end on. I don't really want to end on that, that much of a tough one, to be honest. Uh, he's huh?
1: he's
2: the he's the number 10 guy on Boxwork, apparently. Let's just go with it. Luis Ortiz.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a t- that is a tough one. That is a very tough one. It, it, because it's like, if he, uh, early Luis Ortiz, like earlier earliest version of him obviously he, he was probably still he not young back then <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying like the earliest version of this guy
2: John yeah, Fury you know was what i mean but back then
0: <laughs> isn't that crazy that's crazy but that's, that's how things are you know but with huey man whew. Once again, it's one of those situations you just got to stay out of way of that sh- those shots. And at this age and at this stage of his career, it may not be a stretch, you know what I mean, to say like back in you know a little while ago we would like you know nobody would even want to you know consider a conversation about this. But I mean I always would because I felt like he had the ability. But when people get have losses like with Povetkin and with uh, Pulev. It makes him like, oh, well, he's not this. Losses are a part of the, part of the game. It's just that everything now is predicated on undefeated records. And you got to overlook that. People had losses back in the day. You know what I mean? The top ten guys fought each other. That's why these things happen. You know what I mean? So him fighting Ortiz and winning, most people are like, you are crazy for even thinking. Listen, is it because Ortiz fought Wilder? And almost beat them both times? Well we already said Wilder has been losing to guys that aren't even in the top fifteen skill wise, definitely, but ended up knocking them out. So that's to say that Huey can't beat them just because, you know, just because of that? No. You know what I mean? We gotta look at Ortiz for who he is. He's a little older now, you know, or a lot older now. <laughs> Huey's still young, He's still at his at the prime in the prime of his you know his career, maybe not even there yet, because he's still fairly young. It's not a stretch to say he could he could have a good shot in there with 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 uh, Luis Ortiz. It's not it's not a stretch. I don't know that he I don't know that he wins, but he definitely has the ability to outbox him from range. He just got to stay out of he's got to stay out of his kitchen. He can't let him can't walk into that Southpaw left hand and those crazy big shots that he throws.
2: Yeah, because off the I don't know. Go on, sir.
0: Mm-hmm. Good, no, go no, good. I'm listening to you. I got you, Joe.
2: No, I was just gonna say because off the top of my head, I can't even remember Huey boxing any Southpaws really. So to. To, to right. box someone as right. tricky as Ortiz, you know, even right. at this stage of Ortiz's right. career, it's, it's a tough fight. He definitely right. doesn't knock Huey out. No way. But, um, right. you know, he well, could he could case, outfiddle though. him. That's the word. Outfiddle him. He could outfiddle him over 12. Maybe.
0: Maybe. Because even though he's tricky, he still is right there. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? You got you to think about this. He's right there. far and all. He's still right there. Like when he was fighting uh, B.Y. Jennings, they weren't – look, he was right there. He just was able to land bigger shots and was a little more crafty and was able to land that southpaw right uppercut cutting those different shots. You know what I mean? And that's how he ended up winning. But the idea of of, of B.Y. being in the fight, he was in the fight. He would win every other round, but every single round that he lost, he was getting hurt in. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like if you're able to deal with the tricky, crazy southpaw style that Ortiz has, He's not as quick as he used to be. He's just powerful, but he's not as quick. He still has, he has obviously the the smarts, but you just gotta you just gotta stick to your guns and 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 stay at the end of that at jab and lose a lot of feints and I understand the southpaw style a little bit too, which I expect him to be able to do, especially as being you know being a pro. But like you said, he hasn't had many southpaw components. So what do you wanna what can you expect?
2: Okay so it seems like we've we've spent literally all of part 1 discussing Huey Fury so I hope <laughs> that no one's too annoyed with us but um just before we bring in our sole guest on this week's podcast um the last question I've I've got for you Eddie maybe you didn't I don't know but when you was over here obviously you sparred a whole heap of guys did you ever spar or meet um Tom Little do you remember him
0: Tom Little Maybe not. Wait, I think Maybe. I did. I think I did. I know. Damn, yeah. I might have. I'm almost... Maybe you Dang, did. I I guys, <laughs> yeah, Exactly, That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I, 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 think, I think I did. I'm not sure. Oh, man, I was hoping it was going to be something, something I could definitely tell you,
2: but I, no, no, I cool. can't remember. It's cool. It's cool. All right. Yeah. Anyway, okay. just before we wrap up part one, the final thing to do is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC light welterweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Junior Witter. Junior, welcome to the show, my friend. I see you. So, Junior, <laughs> a, a typical opening question, really, one that I you know, like to often start with in these types of interviews. Where did your interest in boxing sprout from? What's your earliest memory?
1: Oh, my earliest memory. Um, I think they're probably watching Sugar Ray Leonard.
2: Sugar Ray Leonard. He was a big fan of his. Um, I wouldn't say I was a big fan, but I was a fan. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you you boxed as an amateur for a while. What was your amateur career like, junior?
1: Um, it was good. I had a lot of fun. Um, hundred and twenty contests. Won about eighty. Um, yeah, that's some good times.
2: And of course, your pro journey began on January 18th, 1997, at the Greenbank Leisure Centre in Derbyshire. Do you remember much of your debut?
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, what night? Um, that was an interesting night. Um, let me have a look. I was supposed to be on third on the night, um, and then actually, I was supposed to be on second, then they moved me on to third. Um, person who were in second fight got knocked out badly, so the ambulance took him away, and they what to wait for the ambulance to come back before they could continue. So my third my fight got pushed back from third to live swing to last. So getting gloved up and ready from the first bell, and then everything getting just put back, put back and back, and then I boxed the end of night, which was um, not the best preparation.
2: No. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's it's crazy looking back, because obviously, you know, you, you you got to draw over six rounds against 8-1 and one Cameron Rayside, and it's just mad how boxing's changed, because not often now would you put someone in on their debut with a guy that's 8-1 and one in a six-rounder as well, you know?
1: The Midlands area welterweight champion. And he lost the one on a cup. So, really, was, and apparently from all accounts, he was winning the fight, but got a cup. Rules were different then. If you got a cut and you could continue, you lost. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it didn't go for scorecards. So um, from all accounts, he was winning that. So really, it was nine and zero. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: But um, Brendan had belief in me. Um, six threes in the debut, and it's like, well, look when I look back at it now, it's just yeah, I got thrown in. Yeah. You did. Um, but Brendan, Brendan had belief in me. I went in. Um, I beat him up. By all accounts. Um, I dropped him in the second. Uh, Brett picked him up, didn't count it, hit him straight left, right. Um someone of his fans rushed the ring to get me in the same round, end it round, and they got stopped. Well, one of them got stopped at the actual corner post. The other one jumped on the ring and started swinging for me wow. until security pulled him off. Um, carried on. I beat. I, in my eyes, I won five out of the six rounds. Um, I probably gave him the fifth round I came back and won the sixth And I got a draw
2: Yeah insane Insane And um you know, you had another six fights in in the remainder of 1997, winning all of them again, though. Um, you know, your opponents weren't knockover jobs, to be honest. Again, as you say, you were kind of thrown in a bit. Um, you know, you beat some good guys even, even straight away in your first year. Then you start the year 1998, pretty much the same way as 1997. Another draw, this time to Mark Ramsey at the Grundy Park Leisure Centre. What do you remember about that night, Junior?
1: Um, it was a good fight, um... Mark Ramsey, good fighter, better than his record suggested, and um, a lot of experience. Plus he used to be at Brendan's and you just know when you've got that, you know the feeling is, I'm gonna give it to this kid 'cause I used to be I used to train with you, so your lad's getting it tonight. So he came on, he put it on me, I put it back on him. Um roughly on the night. I think I rubbed him up the wrong way. Um and in the end they gave it a draw and I'm just like, I won that comfortably. Yeah. I won it. Yeah, I mean it wasn't it was a comfortable win and it should have been a comfortable win. Hard fight. I learned a lot from it, but that's just the way it goes.
2: Yeah. And you know, after that you came back with a win over Brian Coleman before fighting um jam Bergman in a in a six rounder Now Bergman was a former world title challenger he had an excellent record of thirty five and one at the time, and that one loss came at the hands of Costa zoo um you know you were able to yeah. you were able to beat Bergman on points and you served him up his his second career loss, but that must have been a massive confidence booster at the time I mean I know I know it was only a six rounder, but that's a massive win well
1: he was the IBS number three in the world yeah. And I, I took it at two days' notice. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Two days' notice The follow me up and say, there's a fight on Saturday. You're going to get X amount. And realistically, when I'm looking at it now, it was a crap payday. Hmm. But at the time, it was the biggest payday I'd had. So it was like, yeah, it's a lot of money compared to what I've been getting. But realistically, for who I boxing, at that short notice, it was a poor payday. But I got in and... I just, I just went through, because I won't even feel 100% getting in, going into the ring. I had a little bit of a cold on me. And I went in and I just went, yeah, I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to box. I'm not going to stand. I'm not going to trade. He's a big puncher. It's like 27 knockouts on his record. Um, and I absolutely just just boxed his head off, switched, picked shots. I didn't, I didn't get into a war with him. I didn't get into a big trade with him. Um, I think in the last round, he hit me with one left hook and I went, yep. Yeah, Fact up boxing, not standing trail with this guy. He's a massive puncher, and I just did like I just I just did that, and it's like I think the thing is because I wasn't the boxing knowledge wasn't about, and I didn't actually realise what I'd actually done because that realistically is like someone saying a novice of eight fights now heavyweight going in with Dillian White and beating Dillian White exactly yeah I should have been a superstar from that yeah but I still <laughs> It took me. I didn't get a British happy for years after that. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, like I say, you definitely didn't have the easiest of journeys. But you know, back to that card there, that you know that that took place um, at the at the at the Nine X Arena in uh, in Manchester. A great card, obviously. The undercard of um, Hamed yeah. Vasquez, and obviously you had Carl Thompson, Chris Eubank, Herbie Hyde defending um, his world title as well. Um, yeah. yeah, so like I say, pushing on from there, you beat another seven guys, including former British champion Mark Winters, before getting that, that first world title attempt against Zab Judah for the IBF super lightweight world title. Now, Zab was 22 0 at the time the fight took place in, in Scotland on a Mike Tyson undercard. However, obviously, it yeah. wasn't to be your night. I think you only had about nine days' notice, if I'm not mistaken. You were beating unanimously over yeah. 12. Tell us about it. Obviously, a big learning experience for yourself, despite losing, Junior
1: massive <laughs> massive learning. I think that's the night I realised how good the winner of Jan Bergman was in ultra honestly because it kind of I, yeah, I knew I'd done I'd beat Bergman but it hadn't sunk in until that night and I got in with Zab Judah and i whatsapp what Zab Judah he was pound for pound world champion everybody was talking he was the biggest superstar coming over from America um, everybody was scared to death of him and I got in and I thought yeah, you probably just make the first six out. Uh, first six rounds, you probably had last six, but yeah, I mean, it took the end of it. So it's like, yeah, and you've got. And I thought, well, it was closer than what they had on scorecards, but you've got. You shouldn't rip a title off a champion. Yeah, so it's a fair result. And that fight taught me how skillful I was, and I was at that level. I was better than most people in the world at that point, but I hadn't. Had the belief to follow through with what I was doing. Um, again, so much when sat down and changed him afterwards with Brennan, he went, "Yeah, you know I mean? He says, You were three punches per round off winning the fight. Three more punches never round, you'd have won the fight. And it's like, That is actually possible. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, Okay. And then he says, Right, we're going to work on you actually letting your power go, working on bringing your power through. Um, and I just, I just let myself, I just got the belief in what I could do, Um, I let the punches come after that, and consequently everything went
2: well. And, you know, like I say, you know, Zab Judah, that was such a big step up at the time, Um, you know, I've said this to many fighters, but I've, you know, I'm I'm sure you believe in this, a a, a loss early on in your career can either make you or break you, it seemed to make you.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, A loss could definitely break you, and it can With that, it definitely made me. Um, It showed me the level I was actually on, which was the pinnacle of the sport. Um, I hadn't shown my full potential, but I looked at it and I just thought, I was that close. I was that close. I I am that good. And it it made me. It did actually make me. Um, I think there's there's different ways you can make a fighter. Um, If you bring them through steady, getting the right fight, getting the right publicity... Um, that make make a fight. But with me, I went in and I boxed everybody in everybody's backyard. I think, I remember the fourth fight, going back a little bit further, um, I boxed a kid called Andres Penae, who'd had 36, had um, lost for, he had something like 18 months out, and, and another six-rounder. And I took that fight at two days' notice. So, I always had the potential And the ability but getting that proper belief in how good you realistically are doesn't always happen just because you've had the wins and with me it took that loss for me to understand to to believe and realize that how good i really was um and from that i just went on. i went on that that run of 15 knockouts yeah that's right 15
2: yeah that's right that is and
1: and I just got the belief, and then I just let my power come through. And I knew I had the ability to outbox anybody realistically. So let my power come through, and I will get rid of people. And, I, and that's why I did not knock people out because I can't hit hard with either hand of them. I let it come, I let the angles come. And from that, it, the belief really hit home within within me. And then it all works. worked.
2: Yeah, and like I say, we'll get into that in a second. But you know, it is amazing. You went on that yeah. that that fifteen fight knockout streak, which is incredible. But um, you know, you you came back only four months later after that after that fight with Zab, and you boxed um, you boxed Steve Conway at the time. And um, you yeah. know, you gather another six wins before then boxing for the vacant British title against Alan Bosworth. Um, tell us just about you know the night you became British champion in Northampton. Um, what was that feeling like at the time for you?
1: That was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, lifting the Lonsdale belt is the one. It is the belt. It is is the belt to win. I know WBC is the best title to win, but the best belt is the Lonsdale belt. If you can get the British Lonsdale belt, there's something special about it. It holds a place in boxing history. Um, It's iconic. Yeah. And granted, not everybody in the world can fight you. But if you can, it's the belt to win. Um, yeah, the title's a stepping stone title if you're looking at on the on the massive picture. But the belt is is unreal. Um, and on the night, it was just I was away in his home, in his hometown, in his home city. Um, everything was set for him. His promoter, his promoter put the show on. Everything was was really, really realistically against me. Um, if I look at the trend, like Dominic and John were training me more than Brendan at the time, um, and they had Ryan Rose boxing on the same night, and they went with Ryan Rose and I and, I would, and he was me, Brendan and I think it was Simon or Nigel, um, and it just it was like, well, he's the favourite and he's getting all and Ryan's getting all that pushed, and he's getting John Dom gone down with him on a sky show and everything set up. I'm away. On a small hole show, no TV, um, in the lines. Then, but I'm I've got am boxing a tough kid. Who's they say it's going to give me a really hard fight. Um, it's it's fifty. Everybody's going like fifty-fifty. Um, I might get to him later on, but I just went out and I just I just let it go, and it just felt right. Um, I remember hitting on Bosworth with some shots, and he just stopped, and he just kept coming forward and walking through him. And I just went, that's okay. You can have another one and another one and another one. And then I got a little chink, chink in the armour Just and I just jumped on him, pounced on him and let the punches go. And it was like, yeah, it's my night, I'm having this. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was, it was one of those feelings that just like second to none.
2: Yeah. And that was knockout number seven of the eventual fifteen-fight knockout streak. Obviously, the fight after that would be for the uh, for the Commonwealth title. in Mayfair. Um, that would also be, like I say, knockout number eight. You uh, you pushed on once again, though, to the European scene rather than going into a world title fight by throwing yourself in the deep end like like you did against Judah. This time, you went you know the traditional route as we mentioned by becoming British champion, then Commonwealth, and like I say, the European title here, June the second, two thousand and four, against Salvatore Battaglia. In Nottingham, tell us about that night there.
1: Well, to be honest, it's not that I want a one box for a world Yeah, I just couldn't get one.
2: Yeah.
1: None of the champions wanted to fight me. Um, the fight should have happened in Bradford on the fight before, and he pulled out on the day of the fight. Um, said so he had um, gastric enteritis, so he came down waiting. He said he got gastric enteritis, the fight were off. Um, a couple months later, I get in the ring with him, and him pulling out realistically just gave me such a level of confidence in my ability, and the fact that he was scared of me. You don't pull out in the last minute unless you're scared. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, there's got to be something other than yeah. my stomach's a little bit upset, um, mm-hmm. and he did, and I and I just I just used it as fuel. Um, and I went out and I just knew that I was gonna catch him, I was gonna catch
2: him early. And he was gonna get it. And he did. He certainly did, like I say, the second round, as early as that. Um you know, yeah. obviously this this was in 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 um the year two thousand and four. So this was four years after the the Zab Judah fight. Um, did you yeah. did you prove anything to yourself that night that you became European champion? Because I know that you you know you went into that that fight with Zab like we mentioned, and you proved to yourself, hey, I'm good enough to go on and perhaps become a world champion. But like I say, it took four years to get a, a fight here for the European. Did you prove anything to yourself that perhaps you you know? That, that kind of further solidified the fact that you think, yeah, I really do have it. I really can push on.
1: Um, I do I already knew at that point that I was beyond that level. In my eyes, I was beyond that level. And it just like, I'm just going to go blow this guy away. I'm not, I'm, I'm not disrespecting him, but he's not on my level. Um, and I just went, and for me it was like, yeah, it was it was my, yeah, it was showing the people, showing the the general public that I was on that level. But as a fighter for myself, it was in in a, in a way it's still frustrating because I wanted the limelight, I wanted the the world title. Yeah. And he was like, it's just I'm just it's just a stepping stone. I'm going to do this tonight. I'm going to get this. I'm going to move on and become mandatory because I have to do. Every, I'm doing having to do everything the long way around. Yeah, I'm having to win the British, becoming a mandatory, win the next one, become mandatory, do the next one, becoming WBC mandatory. I remember at one point I was WBO mandatory for a year. And I never lost. This is within that that's win streak. Yeah? And then I got moved out of position. And I went from number one to number three. And then from number three further down the rankings. And after that, I just stopped looking. Because I was beating everybody who was put in front of me. And... Uh, last minute's notice and every and every challenge, and I'm moving down the rankings instead of moving up the rankings. I went from mandatory for over a year to to moving out of the top three. And It's like what? Why? I've not, I've not lost to anyone, and you've not put anyone in front of me, and I, I'll give me the title fight. Yeah, that is a
2: strange.
1: I just, situation. I just knew how good I was. Yeah, it's it's a strange situation. It's a. I look and I look at Dylan White and I think, yeah, it's a bit kind of like that. But at least Dylan's managed to stay within. He's still in that same spot, but I got moved down down the rankings.
2: Yeah, that's, that's that's crazy. It's like they must have had the rankings upside down when they were doing that, perhaps, eh? <laughs> 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 yeah. Um so obviously you defended, you know, the title just once again, Christoph Bien as you knocked him out in, in two rounds before boxing in a WBC title eliminator against um against Lovemore and Do. Now you won the fight unanimously over twelve and do brought your fifteen yeah. flight KO run to an end though. Um the, the fight was on yeah. that Hopkins Eastman undercard at the Staples Centre in LA. Must have been a huge experience that one junior.
1: Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean um, you know, when you look at a venue and like I boxed at MEN and I've seen some big events, but when I got to Staples Center, it would just, to me, it's probably, and that size capacity is the best venue I boxed at boxed It would just, it would just, it wasn't like, you know, like a step ladders, not like at MEN, you got like step ladders in you got the top, it's like, whoa, we were really high. It just seemed to flow out and it just, it was wide, it was wide. But everything didn't seem to be like up in the gods. It was like, yeah, you're a little bit further back, but you're not you're not in the sky. And it was like and I just thought it it felt like a good venue and the the vibe was really good. Um but I went out, I boxed Love more, um, dropped him a couple of times. I broke my knuckle and the left hand when I dropped him first time. And yeah, I mean it was a hard fight. Um and I think just because I dropped him, I got to that about, about fifth round, and I could really feel it throbbing. Um, and because of that, everything kind of just went, just came off the boil. Um, he came back into it, uh, was making up ground, and then I hit him with a shot in the tenth, and he just took everything out of him. I him with a left hook in the tenth, um, and that it might have been tenth or eleventh. And that that just put him in his place, and I just I just cruised over the. Cruised over the finish line and won it comfortably, but my hand at that point was twice as size as it normally would. Yeah, yeah, that's what we off.
2: Yeah, he he was a tough guy. I love more to be completely honest with you. You know, he,
1: he oh yeah. A tough guy. yeah. I mean, he, if you look at look at like his career, he's not been how many people have dropped him.
2: Yeah, I know he was never and stopped. Was yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think if my hand hadn't broke, if I hadn't broke my hand, I would have stopped him. Yeah, but. That's just what you feel in it. <laughs> yeah, reality is, I didn't. Yeah, you know I mean,. But I could drop him
2: twice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not many people not many people did that. But um, you know, when when you returned back to the UK you defended your European against Andrew Katelnik in Nottingham. Now that was a big win because Kotelnik, you know, at the time had a record of twenty four and one, um, you know, just two fights earlier where he where he took his first loss from. It was a split decision for the WBA world title. And then um, you know, obviously Kotelnik would go on to eventually become a world champion himself, um, you know, after after yeah. you fought him. Um, and he went on to box some great people like Gavin Rees, like um, Devin Alexander, Amir Khan, Maidana, of course. But tell us about your fight with him. Like I said, a big win.
1: Yeah. Um, I knew he was good. I knew he was dangerous. But I've I'd, I'd looked at him. I've looked at his style. And without a doubt, I underestimated him. And I took my foot off the gas just that little bit. I thought, he's not that good. Because he doesn't do anything particularly special. Yeah. Um, and I box, I've watched a couple of good people who box him, and he doesn't. But he does. He does everything just that little bit awkward, and he gets he gets off with it. And he like he lands shots. I used to think he ain't going to land that, and he does. And he's a he's one of those people who doesn't look as good as he is. And he was very very good. Um, he was a little bit sharper. He was on the ball. He was up for it. He was focused. Um, I took it a little bit lightly. Um, I got in there and I found it a lot harder work than I thought it was going to be. Um, I loaded up just that little bit in some respects. Um, I got through it and I knew I'd won it, but I knew it was closer than I wanted it to be. I expected it to basically steamroll And no, the man, the man was very, very good. But he was focused, he was on it. And I remember him talking something about it afterwards saying when he got... He got when he realized he had to fight me for European. He was fuming because he says, "I've all the people. This is the one I don't want." Yeah, he says, it's the most dangerous guy that he could see. Yeah, and he says, "Why can't he get me an easier fight for European?" Um, but he got in before because he tried. He prepared for me specifically. He had he had a game plan. He went. He tried to execute his game plan, and. I went in, just that little bit cavalier, um, got in there and had to change what I was doing and make it work on the night. And it wasn't one of my best performances, but when I look back at it, it was a a lot better performance um, than I got credit for.
2: Yeah, a much better win as well, like I say, because, you know... like like I mentioned after that is where his career really did take off Um, three months later you you boxed Colin Lyons and defended your British Commonwealth and European belts against him you won the fight unanimously over 12 the fight took place at York Hall Um, you obviously boxed at York Hall a number of times in your career junior and for me as a boxing fan it's one of my favourite venues to watch boxing at however it must must be a totally different perspective obviously stepping in the ring there Um, what did you make of boxing at York Hall did did you, did you love boxing there? Did you hate boxing there, perhaps?
1: Absolutely love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it to bits. Um, first time I boxed there was amateur, and I boxed Dean Francis, the late Dean Francis. Um, so I boxed him for the welterweight title in 1990. So the place has always had that, because the first time I went to British it was. it's always got that place in my heart where I achieved so much in that venue. Yeah. Um, so I had that, um, and when I boxed the calling lines, it was good to be in the venue. It's, it's one of those venues basically everybody's on top of you, and you feel the crowd. And you, The thing with York Hall is the people of York Hall know what they're on about. The crowd there don't care what the commentators are saying. They've got an opinion, and they've got an educated opinion about boxing. So when you're going there and you're all flashing, you it's just because you've boxed a load of nobodies and you just hyped up to the maximum. You don't get the respect because they know what you're they on and watching. And I go there and I get respect. And I—and that's why I like about the place because it doesn't pander to popular, um, who's favourite at the time. I mean, the way the world used to be. Whereas now whole all a different place. It's all about social media. Um, but back then especially, it was all about if you could actually fight, they knew you could fight because they watched their boxing. Yeah. So for me, it was a, it's a brilliant place to box. So when you get in the crowd on you, against you, with you, um, no matter if they're for you or against you, at the end of the fight, they give you a level of respect that you don't get in most venues. And that's why I love boxing there. It's just, it's a special place.
2: Yeah, it really is. It's, it's Like I said, it's one of my favourite places to go. Whenever you go there, it, it, uh, there's always an absolute belter of a fight as well. There's always at least one. Every single card that's on, there's always one crazy, crazy ha- fight full of atmosphere. There,
1: ha- there, has-, there has to be yeah. because they won't, cause the crowd there won't turn up to watch just because you've got a 55 knockout street <laughs> and you box nobody. They're not going to turn out to watch you because yeah. <laughs> they want to see someone who can actually
2: fight. Yeah. No, it's a brilliant venue, like I say. And you know, that Colin Lyons yeah. win bounced you into your world title shot, Demarcus Chop Chop Corley, a guy that's been on this show in the past. He was in the opposite corner for the vacant WBC world title. Now the fight took place in Wood Green. Um tell us about the night your, I'm sure, boyhood dreams came to fruition there, Junior.
1: It was all it was all very surreal. And it's like I'm watching it. While I'm, while I'm living it, and I'm watching, I'm living it, I'm just like, yeah, okay, um, and then, you know, the night before, the weigh-in, the press, everything's just going as it does with any other fight, and I'm just like doing my routine, I do this, I, I do this, I eat this food, I spend that much time, then have something to eat, then I have a walk, then have a drink, and I'm just doing my normal routine, and I'm not trying to vary anything at all, and I've done that, and I've prepared, and I've got in the ring, and it's just like, right, time to go to work. And then once the bell went, it was just, yeah, I, there were footballers coming to see me before the fight, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, i go with because you don't come to see me every other fight. I'm not interested tonight. i got work to do. <laughs> this is my night. I need to, I need to focus. Um, I did that, and once once the bell went, it was down to business. And Chop Chop's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous opponent. He's been a world champion. He's slick. He's a counter-puncher. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, I've got to make him make mistakes to punish him. I've got to draw him out. I've got to catch him with shots. And I don't know if what round he was. Early on, about four or five rounds, I've half-clipped him with an uppercut, and it hurt him. And he just went into a shell. And he wouldn't and I was just peppering, trying to get around his shell, and he just won't come out of it. And I was winning the rounds and I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm breaking it down, I'm getting I'm I'm putting the rounds in the bag, I'm putting the rounds in the bag, and he's just not coming out of that shell. And I'm just needing him to come out of the shell so I can land something solid on him. And he just he was just extremely cagey. He's quick in his powerful and I can't go in reckless with him because he can punch. And he's been world champion, he knows what it takes. And he just he just stayed in that shell and I never managed to prize him out of that shell so I could hit him clean. Um and he took it and he got through and he went the distance. But you know you want that big finish. I wanted that big finish. But I wasn't being stupid, I wasn't risking it just just to look good, I was making sure I got the win.
2: No, like I say, you know, you mentioned he'd been a world champion. He, he he had so much, so much experience even then. I mean, he's still boxing now, believe it or not. But you know, he had so much experience. Yeah, then, I know. You know, he'd been in there with Randall yeah. Bailey, been in there with Zab he'd been in there with Floyd Mayweather, been in there with Miguel Cotto. Um, did did your life change after that in any way? Becoming a world champion did that did that change your life at all?
1: Oh, definitely. <laughs> of course it did, um, but not too the extent which people...
2: Your feet didn't people off the ground kind of thing.
1: No, my feet didn't cross off the ground. I didn't suddenly be coming down. Fly, I'm flying around the world in jets and Bentleys and Maseratis and whatever. Um, my feet stayed on the ground. I stayed in the gym. I kept training. Of course, your life changes in this perspective. You get, you, you do go to more places. I've got more opportunities to see more stuff. But at the same time, because my feet stayed on the ground, I turned all of stuff down. Um, I remember, mates, oh, we're going to GLS concert, and we're going to go backstage and go and meet them. Brown I just went, I've got training money. Tell me how it went. Tell me how it went. And that's that's what I did. Um, I still managed to knock a lot of stuff on the head that seems really good to do and you'd like to do, but at the same time, I've got to be professional about what I to what I was doing. And I looked at it and I just thought, because of the hype at the time, the way the, the way the media was around the boxing, the way the reading was around me, I knew I had to keep hold of everything. I couldn't afford to slip-up. So I just had to keep holding it down and do what I
2: had to do. And, yeah, you'd go on to defend the belt successfully twice. The first defence was against Arturo Marua um, back at the the back at the... Uh, the, the the Alexandra Palace in Wood Green. Um, you know, you knocked him out in nine rounds. Then, of course, you boxed former world champion Vivian Harris at the Doncaster Dome. You stopped him in seven. Do you want to tell us about um, both of those successful defences there, Junior, before we move on?
1: Yeah. Look, a tournament of Tough Mexican-style fight. It comes forward, throws a lot of punches, um, takes a decent amount of shots, but it comes forward and it puts it on you. And I did not... I'd watched a little bit of him, but I'm not really studied because you get to different fighters who do different things. I'm not the type of fighter. I wasn't the type of fighter who studies his opponent throughout. I basically got a vague idea of how you boxed and watched a couple of rounds of your fights and this and this and, and then I went from that. And I watched a couple of his fights, and he just comes forward, block shots, takes him, throws and put. Puts it on you, makes you work and grinds you down. And I looked at and I thought, okay, that's what I've got. Not a problem. Um, did my normal thing, my normal training. I got in the ring and he tried to box me. And to an extent it threw me because I'm expecting him to come forward and be himself. And he wasn't. And I think he realized that if he came forward, I was going to clip him, clip him early, and I took him out. Um, he stayed pretty much on his back foot and he tried to box for me. And I was just start a little bit more cautious because he wasn't doing what his normal thing. Uh, I took my time. Um, I outboxed him up, and I beat him down. And then at about seven rounds, I decided, well, I've done that. I've got it in the bag. I've won. All, I've, I've won seven rounds. seven rounds. It's all right. I've got to start putting him under pressure and see how see what he does because he. he need, I'm not expecting a fight here. Come on, he need to fight and. He just continues to want to box until I, I caught him and took him out. So it's, it's weird for me if I didn't actually look at him as much, I'd have probably got rid of him sooner. But because I looked at him a little bit more than I had done because of my first World title Defense, expecting people to come out basically at their best, at their peak. And because he came out in a different style, it threw me that little bit. And if I hadn't watched anything of him, I think I'd have gone out there and just blown him away earlier. But um, no, I went out and I won it, and I was happy enough with the stoppage. And then that, when it comes to Doncaster for the Vivian um, Harris, and I look and I think everybody at the time was scared to death of Vivian Harris. Yeah. he was the most feared boxer up on the division. Yeah, um, he could have boxed Hatton, he could have boxed any other champions. But he wanted to do BBC belt, like all of us do. Um, so he, he picked me. Um, so he came out, all betting was on him to knock me out. Um, Former champion. He's had his blip, he's back on form, he's destroying people again. Um, he's a big American, and he's six foot, and I'm five foot seven. So he's got like four inches on me, four inches reach, four inches in height. Um, and I just went, yeah, not bothered. Um, but I hurt my foot I had, about five weeks before that, five, six weeks before that, six weeks. I twisted my knee and I couldn't walk for two days. Um, so I used to have physio on it every other day for like two weeks and getting through it. And I just forced me, it helped focus me. I forced myself into making myself train, make myself be the best I could be and I went out there and I just let I let let him have it Yeah, I mean it was a a brilliant fight
2: it really was like I said that was that's would you say that's probably your most impressive win definitely yeah definitely yeah Yeah. and then of course that brings us to your your third title defense however this one wouldn't be your night you lose a split decision in Nottingham to Tim Bradley uh, May the 10th 2008 tell us about that night there Junior it was. By the way, let me just say, it was, I was quite shocked uh, when you look back. You remember some of the great Americans that come over to here to fight you, like Zab, like Tim Bradley. Like it's just, I can't even imagine uh, Tim Bradley being in Nottingham. You know, and uh, you know, you really brought the names over, like I say, and then you went out there and, and, and fought in the states. It's, uh, it's a brilliant record you got. Sorry, go on. <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, no, the
1: thing with Tim when I boxed Tim, uh, he wasn't. He wasn't mandatory. He was. He was the kid who was coming over to beat me, and I won't focus. Uh, my mind was not on the job, 100%. Um, my dad got cancer in the January, that January, and the fight was supposed to happen in January. Um, the fight had happened i just said. My dad didn't start treatment until the Thursday before the fight. It was my dad's first chemo, and that's where my mind was for the whole training camp. My mind was simply on the fact that dad's got cancer. Um, yeah, I mean, I want him to live. Yeah, you know I mean, and, and that's where my focus really was. I was doing the job. I was going out. I was doing the work. I remember one session I got up in the morning, uh, did a session, finished the session at nine, drove to Bradford, picked my dad up, took him to doctors, spent all day at doctors with him, come back, dropped him back home, drove back to Sheffield, did my next session and went to bed. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my camp for that fight. Not all the time, and I'm not saying I've not sorry, I've picked up all the time, but I spent most of my most of my time thinking about my dad, yeah. my parents, my mum, and what happened with them, and the things that went wrong with his treatment at the time. So I looked at it, and then about um, about about three weeks before the fight? I went, I peaked, and I knew I peaked. And I remember telling Johnny, Johnny Nelson, that I peaked Probably like two weeks before the fight. And Johnny went, Pull out. He says, Your your head's not in it. And I went, I've definitely peaked. And he says, If you know you've peaked, you really have peaked. Yeah. Just pull out, redo it. Yeah. And I just went, I'll be all right. Mm. I mean, I I went, Tim's all right, but he can't box as well as I can. Yeah. I'm not bothered by his power. I know he's strong. I know he. um, But I'm not bothered by it. I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm. I'm not gonna shine. i But I'm gonna be. Eaten. And I went out on the night and I boxed. I boxed well. He was a little bit. It's not that he punches hard. He's. He's. His presence is really strong, and he. He's a little bull. He comes forward. He hits you with the head. He hits you with the elbows. Um, a bit like Hollowfield used to, and. He's good at that. But technically it didn't impress me. Um he got a decent chin, I caught him a couple of decent shots. Um it clipped me with a shot which normal i wouldn't hit me ninety nine times back like then would not hit me. It clipped me and the Chins really good shot, boom, went down, got up and just thought, well that went off him. um went through it, put him under pressure with the next couple of rounds. The fight finished and I just thought I've done enough. I've not shown. I've not become it's not one of those fights that I'm going to want to watch again. Um, but I've just done enough. And when it went split decision and went his way, I couldn't believe it mm-hmm. because I'd done enough at home on my promoter show. I should get it. But it was just one of those things. I thought, I couldn't believe it. But I wasn't bothered. I actually was not bothered on the night one little bit. I just wanted to go home and see my dad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm going to go and see my dad. I'm not bothered. I'll come again
2: so yeah your mind really really wasn't in it um, my my next question was going to be did you feel you did enough to deserve the win which you you pretty much answered there but um, yeah I mean it didn't really rip the tile away like like you mentioned earlier you know um, yeah. that's kind of what you feel like the the travelling fire should do I, I mean I always felt like Bradley was just throughout his career was he was kind of underappreciated really I mean he didn't have the most exciting style all the time but you know he was underrated in my opinion a hard man to beat but um yeah, you know, he was Yeah
1: definitely 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 a hard man to beat. Um he's not particularly a, a pretty fighter. No, no. Yeah. He's not a pretty fighter, I think, you know, style wise. Um but he, he was and he was a very, very good fighter. Um I just thought I was better. <laughs> as a, as I'm accustomed to. Um I just thought on the night he didn't do enough. Um I thought I'd just Won it by one or two rounds, so if someone had said they were giving it a draw, I'd have been well, fair enough. But I didn't lose it. Yeah, there's no way I lost that fight for me. Um, but it went the given decision, and I just went, not bothered going home on. Just want to go home tired, not interested.
2: Yeah, and like I say, you know, they they say that boxing's booming in the UK now, and it is, you know, but. It just doesn't yeah. seem like many Americans come here to fight these days anymore. Like I say, you brought a few over yourself to to, to these shores. It's just yeah. it just we don't really see that uh, these days too much, to be honest. Which is a bit of a shame. But um, you know, you, you bounced back with a knockout win over Victor Hugo Castro back at York Hall, and then there was that nine month gap of inactivity before you went straight back into a world title fight. By this time, of course, Tim Bradley had been stripped. Um, you you were back fighting yeah. for your old belt against the then undefeated eighteen and oh Devon Alexander, another guy. Uh, that's been on this show before the title was vacant at the time the fight took place in California and funny enough um, Tim Bradley was on the undercard that night but tell us about the fight with, with Devon.
1: I think the fight with Devon, it was I looked at it and I just thought yeah okay um, the biggest part of that fight for me was making weight um, I'd not made weight since Bradley fight because when I boxed I boxed at ten seven 7 for Hugo Castro Smith's yeah. fight you go five. So I popped at 10.7. I've not made 10 stones since Bradley. So I think because I flew over to America, that all just threw my body clock slightly out. Um, and making the weight, the last four pounds, absolutely drained the life out of me. And I basically just dehydrated myself just that bit much. And I think that's why my elbows went. Um, but I came in and I remember. I remember doing a warm-up and... You know when you hyperextend your elbow? I hyperextended my elbow there in the warm-up. Um, rubbed it off. It got a bit better. Got into the fight. And I think in the second round, that went. And then two rounds, the other elbow went. And basically, I was dehydrated. Um, and I could now throw long hooks, short hooks, but I couldn't fully extend to throw a proper jab. from about. Um, and round two, I couldn't throw. I think the left hand went in round two and the right hand went in round four, somewhere, round five. And at that range, he could just get them shots off. And he's a good boxer. Yeah, he is, yeah. He's a class boxer. Um, yeah, I mean, if I were against a poor boxer, I'd have been all right. But I wasn't. I was against a good boxer, boxing for fighters like his world title fight.
2: It's
1: the beat needs. So therefore, he was up for it. He was on it. Um, he had no problems. And he came out, and he. I just thought, I can't box how I want to box. I can't throw my arms, um, I can't throw a proper jab. I can't throw a straight right hand. I'm only throwing hooks, and I'm I'm trying to hook against a very good boxer when I'm, a boxing myself, mm. and it just wasn't working. Um, I come back to corner, sat and I went, I can't throw my hands. I can't snap a jab. I can't keep them at range. I can't do what I normally do. I can't sit on the edge of the range. I can't box in long range. I've got to try to get inside and he's catching me on the way in. Um, I'm getting some shots off and it's, it's close. There's not much in it. I reckon I could be one round up, one round down. It's something like that. And I just went, I can't do anything because every time I'm moving, I'm getting caught. He's coming forward. He caught me a couple of decent shots as well. And my arms, I just went like I can't throw punches. Yeah, And that was it. can't throw punches. You can't win.
2: Yeah, um yeah, I remember when when I spoke to him, um, Devin Alexander, I remember saying to him, you know, we, we spoke about the, the fight with you and I let him know that I still don't forgive him for that night there. <laughs> but um you know, you, you're out of the ring then for for a year and a half. When you come back you box in, in Canada against Victor Puey. Um how did that come about? Going out there to Canada, obviously not, not a not a night you look back on with, with the fondest of memories. Oh. <laughs> that's the best way there <laughs> <laughs> i have like that from my memory
1: um, uh, Mick Hennessy at the time um, and he had a a more he was working with in the States called Adam Harris um, and that's how the fight came about Adam was like yeah come to Canada I'll get on with Adam um, and he went to put me on over there and they had him so um the fight was set up, he arranged, he came over. Well, I went over and I got in the ring. And it was just a poor night for me. I'd had an operation on my ACL. Um, I don't know how many months ago. About, I don't know, what was it? How long did I have that? It was over a year anyway before. But what I didn't realise was how much that actually affected what I was doing. And while I was boxing and at range and under no physical pressure, I was fine. But when it came to getting inside and getting a bit rough, my legs just kept giving away. And it wasn't a case of I was getting hit. I was just getting pushed over and just bullied. Because I was basically on skates. Mm-hmm. Cause I just my knee was not as strong as I thought it was. And I needed it needed more time to heal. Yeah. Um, I think in the fight I ended up getting pushed on four. I probably went down realistically about eight times, mm. and none of them were a punch. Yeah. Every time he if he pulled me, like to get inside a bit, it took a bit. Leg just went, so I couldn't come forward. I couldn't go backwards, and he just like if he pull and push me, I just went over, mm. and he got to the stage and referee was saying I'm going to take a point off of you because you've been over too many times, mm. and he's not even hitting you. And it was just like, "I'm not wanting to go over, but every time it gets rough and tumble me need to come take it yeah i needed i needed I didn't realize how weak it actually had become um and that was the problem with that part. If I would come back and had someone who was going to box and it'd have been a boxing match, I'd have been fine, but he'd come forward, he tried to box me, I beat him at that um and it got every time it got rough and bit rough and tumble, he kind of like pushed me over. Not particularly just as in push, but no, just the rough and toughness of the boxing Then I was going over. And I just think the consistency of being pushed over the way I was um, just tainted it, tainted my performance in the judge's eyes and they just gave it to him. I don't think he actually landed more punches than me or anything. It's just the case of because I was pushed over as much time as I want and they thought I was just diving on the floor.
2: No, a bad night, like I say, to look back on. But when you returned to the UK, you signed up to boxing prize fighter. Obviously anything really can happen over three rounds. Um, you know, you beat yeah. you beat Nathan Graham, you beat Kevin McIntyre, but losing the final to Yasin El Machi. Um, is it fair to say at this point here, Junior, you're you're past your prime years really? Um Yeah, supposedly.
1: Just, I suppose it I'm looking I, I would still be I would still be alright, I think. If you got me I think I needed I needed to be in fights. That meant something. I needed I needed that interest to make, that drive to make me um, actually stand up and take notice of where I was. But I looked at that fight and I looked at El and Yeah, I didn't particularly like him. Um I got in that fight and I couldn't believe I didn't get the decision on that night. Mm-hmm. Um everybody thought I was done. Everybody realistically thought I was finished for that. And I was just a name to beat. I went in, Nathan Graham went in a hard fight. Um, he came for it I pulled my shoulder out just that little bit got through that won that got him with Kevin McIntyre dealt with that I got him with Matcha, and then his shoulder started paining me again I hit him with a shot but I didn't catch him clean it, it hurt him and I thought if I caught you with full power with that one I took you out but it didn't um, I boxed it went, th- it went on um, I threw a shot the canvas I on the canvas went through the ropes jumped back in um, carried on and I still thought I be enough to win um, and so did a lot of people on that night but it went its way and I just thought well you're not the favourite you're not going to get anything close it's a bit like it used to be you've got to win everything by a mile to get that one point victory so just get on with it
2: and did you did you like the prize fighter format? Obviously, like I say, it's quite a risky one. Really, you wouldn't really want to go into a tournament like that if you were, you know, an undefeated fighter at the time with with hope, you know hopes of going on to become a world champion or something. It's the kind of thing that can really mess those kind of plans up. You know, it's a risky format.
1: It is a risky format, um, and I kind of like it for that. <laughs> but <laughs> I do. Um, but it doesn't suit most fighters, and realistically. It shouldn't suit me, because I'm a boxer. Yeah. And that's, that suits fighters. People just come in, throw a lot of punches, take some punches, but they, they can do that for four rounds. Yeah, but they can't do that for eight rounds. Those fighters, it really suits. And I like the challenge of that. So I I did kind of like it, but yeah, it's all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's all wrong for me. If you're a 12-round fighter, yeah, I mean, you know you've got your time, your timing, your distance, your stamina, your skill comes into it, yeah. Whereas that, it takes that all away, and it's all about it's a sprint. Yeah, exactly. You've gone from having a mar- from a, from being a long-distance runner to you're in a sprint with somebody, and someone beat you in a sprint, but has got no chance over a long distance, and that's the that's that's what it is. Yeah. Um,
2: I did actually like it on the night, <laughs> strangely. No, you that But that. Um, it is like that. Yeah, definitely. I wonder what ever happened to El Machi? He seemed to just disappear off the face of the earth. To be honest, it
1: never boxed again. Yeah, I don't think he ever boxed after that.
2: But anyway, you, you you boxed seven more times professionally after that. Obviously, winning the British title once again in a rematch against Colin Lyons, but then losing it to Frankie yeah. Gavin. You also boxed in Germany against the undefeated Timo Schwarzkopf. Um, racked up a, <laughs> a majority decision oh, loss. Geez. Um, you know have you seen that fight? I don't think I've seen that one.
1: I have got that fight. And it is the biggest robbery I have ever seen. I and I've got it and send me a link, I'll send you it. Um it's one of those fights where you cannot believe the scorecards. It is a it's it's just unbelievable. You have to see it to actually believe it. I can't say, I can't say it, I can't say enough about it, see to believe it, um, so yeah, I went, I went up to Germany, I boxed, and everybody at this point, in was finished, Timo Swapcraft, big, up and, up and coming, you know what I mean, 21 year old, should have basically, been putting Grandpa out to sleep, um, and I boxed his head off, and got robbed, um, came back, had a couple more fights, um, and got a bit of a groove, I got back into my groove, just that little bit, and, and, I thought, yeah, okay, I, I don't mind boxing. I I want the box. I don't want to be sat around waiting for months for this for that. I just want to fight. And it just, I struggled to get off to the ground after that. Yeah,
2: and then, like I say, you know, your final fight, April seventeenth, twenty fifteen, against Ahmed Al uh, Masui in in France. On that occasion, a split decision over twelve. Um, what were your thoughts on that one? Was that? I mean, were, were you were you at that kind of stage? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Were you? Was it easy to to walk away permanently after that, or was it hard to retire? Um,
1: the thing was, I didn't choose to retire till 2018. Hmm. Yeah. Um, realistically, I had that fight, and in my eyes, and in most people's eyes that I know have watched that fight, turned and said I won it. Yeah. He, he had some good bits in it, and I put in my eyes, I won it by three. Three rounds ish, um, and a lot of people said, "Yeah, I give it by one, I give it by two, I give it by three, I give it four. It's, it's somewhere in that, but everybody says, "I know," says, "Yeah, you won it," um, and I got a bit annoyed with the board on that one because they did, i didn't see them protecting me, in my interest in that fight, and demanding a rematch as it should have been. Yeah, you know I mean, so I got a bit annoyed with them, um, and then I had a couple months where I won. I didn't particularly look for anything. And then I kicked back in, I got into training. Um, I got fit, I was sharp. I was still at that same level, um, which is, yeah, not at my peak, but it's still at a very good level. And I thought, if I get a fight now, I'll take it. I don't care who it is, I want the British title, and I'll try to get a British title fight. Um, but when you're not the young kid on the block, new kid on the block, realistically, I'm an old man in boxing terms. And everyone says when I was 32, I was too old to win a world title. And that was 2006, and this is 2016, 2017. Yeah, so it's like over oh, 10 years, 10 years ago, they were telling you you were too old. Mm. No one wants to risk backing you and putting the money behind you so you can get your title fights. Um, I've tried to get fights, um, spoke to Frank Warren, I spoke to Francis. No, know, um, Francis Warren um, spoke to Eddie and they just didn't want to do it with the British champion because both had the British champion he Sam Egerton at one point. Then it changed to... I can't remember now. Um, so at that particular point, I was trying to get the British title fight and I knew without a doubt that I'd, won, I'd, have, win, I'd have won that. Um, but the powers that be, which was the money in, in that respect, wasn't wasn't backing me um so therefore and the board wasn't particularly sticking up for me um i didn't get them fights i carried on training for a couple more years and then i just decided um 2018 if i don't get a fight any fight penciled in for at least by my birthday in march or my birthday i'm done and came to march 2018 i went boom that's it i'm done uh, move on to the next stage. I was at this stage. I'm already training amateurs at the Ingle Gym. Um, I'm the head coach down there. Um, things are going all right in that respect. Um, and then I decided that was it. Stay there for a little bit. Um, we and me and the couple of the amateur coaches had a little bit of disagreement just after Brendan passed, and it was like, yeah, I'm just going to go. It was just, yeah. Um, I'm just going to go set me on gym up, and
2: that's what happened. I've been happy ever since. So I, I want to ask you a couple of fight, uh, a couple of questions about, um, you know, just looking back over your career just a bit there. Um, obviously, you know, nowadays it's it's, it's Kell and Amir Khan, the fight that seems like it's never going to happen. Obviously, everyone wanted to see you and Ricky Hatton get it on. Um, In your your eyes, in your opinion, on your side, why did that fight never end up happening, Junior?
1: Yeah, I've said it loads of times. Basically, between Hatton and his team, they wanted to happen. Mm. That's it. Um, That's it. It, And I I think for me, it's like, it's all Hatton. I'm not bothered by the fact that I would have liked it to happen at the time, obviously, but I'm not bothered by the fact it didn't happen. Because I went on, I achieved... British, Commonwealth, European, and world title. Yeah. And the best world title. Yeah. So, it's one fight that didn't happen out of many, a couple of, I mean, the main weather fight should have happened. Mm. That was, on. that was, Pence. it should have happened for the WBC world title. It could have happened before that, there was a fight, that Frank was trying to put it on. Didn't happen. Um, so that could have happened. And in ways, that would have been a bigger fight. It's just one of many that could have happened, that didn't happen. Um, Shane Mosley almost happened at one point and I thought, brilliant. I mean, Shane Moseley was absolutely brilliant fighter. So, I looked at it and I thought, this is, he's one of many that didn't happen.
2: At, at what point in both of your careers do you feel would have been the best time to make that fight?
1: Um, if you're looking at publicity and hype and financially... It had been straight after I won WBC. Yeah. And that would have been the most lucrative time for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it would have sold Wembley out for 100000 mm-hmm. Just to annoy Kyle Frosch.
2: All right. Um, yeah, it
1: was huge.
2: And and I want to ask, who who was the best fighter that you felt you boxed in your pro career? Of all your fights, best fighter, who comes to mind?
1: On the night, Vivian Harris.
2: Vivian Harris, Okay. I
1: think that night, it'd be anybody else in the world except sent me.
2: Yeah, no, like I said, that was a tremendous performance there. Um, is there anyone that you would have liked to have fought but never got the chance to? I was going to say it's probably Ricky, but you mentioned there Shane, you, meant to, you mentioned there Floyd. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those three, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, it
1: is. <laughs> um, <laughs> you see, different reasons. They're there, there the three, and there's three different reasons. Um, Hatton obviously because of the public interest and in local rivalry, mm-hmm. yeah. Mayweather because of his legacy, yeah, mm-hmm. of Mayweather's legacy. So that's why I will like that one more, yeah. And then Mosley because I think Mosley, his people was probably the best mm-hmm. out of the three. And I'm gonna go. With him. I look at like that I think beating Mosley would have meant asking more mm-hmm. to me, so Mosley a Pete Mosley, Pete me, brilliant. Loved it. That would be the fight that I would if I Pete could, if I could be in my peak condition, him in his peak condition, that's the fight.
2: And I was going to ask also, I ask this question to everyone when we do these types of interviews. Have you got any regrets at all? If you could go back and change anything, um, is there anything you, you you regret doing or something like that in your career? The best answer I like to hear is when people say, no, I've got no regrets, but you may have some. What, what's the answer?
1: <laughs> I got loads. <laughs> I got loads of them. I wanted them Superman through the ropes. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's, there's loads of, there's always little tweaks you'd have all the way through, yeah? um, But major change, the only major change would have been that I made more money. That's that's it, because all I did was I boxed whoever I could, whenever I could, and never ran away from anyone. Mm-hmm. So it was nothing to do with me why nothing didn't happen, didn't happen. So personally, the only thing that bothers, I'd have liked to make a bit more money but I'm not bothered Because I'm, I'm not, I'm not skinned, I'm not poor, um, I'm happy, I've got a good woman, and, yeah, you know I mean, life's good, apart from being on lockdown.
2: Yeah, of course. And then coming down to the last couple of questions, Junior, um you know, you mentioned there, life's good, um, you mentioned before you were, you know, you were doing little bits in the Ingle Gym with amateurs and stuff. Um, what, what are you up to nowadays in terms of, you know, what's keeping you busy, obviously, when, when we're not in lockdown?
1: So, I've got me on gym, yeah. um, what is Boxing Gym in Rotherham. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a stable of amateurs, um, which is coming through, and it's. It started from novices, but in the last well, most more so starting novices in the last eighteen months, and I'm bringing them through. Um, I've got a couple of pros. I've got Dom Hunt, who's five and zero oh, at welterweight. Um, he's I'm just I just can't wait to get him back in the ring. He's gonna he's gonna upset some people. Um. Yeah, he's a he's a very good fighter. Nowhere near had the publicity he deserves, but he's gonna be really good. I've got another fighter called Matt Hunter. He's had one and if you hear his story of how he how hard it's been for him to get to the fact he's won and all, Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um he's taking him realistically. I think his last amateur fight was nine years ago. And I finally got him in, in the ring on the 6th of March this year. Um, and he's, he's been around. He's had, he's had a pro license for a couple of years. Um, and he's a very good fighter. Um, yeah, not no one, not um, a massive name um, yet, but in a really good, exciting fight. He was in some great fights. And if someone actually sees him and he gets the right build-up, It'll be an exciting fight to have on the British scene, And I just want to get him some fights. So I've got other people who are probably going to turn pro in within the next year and a bit. Um, but that's what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, good to hear it. That's so... it.
1: I'm, 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 I'm still involved with boxing. Still love it. Um, you know, like everything in life, you know I mean? It has its ups and its downs and parts that you don't like. But I do love the sport.
2: Yeah and you you're a happy man these days you you, you seem it
1: yeah yeah i'm I'm blessed yeah, I look and I'm blessed. I've done a job I love for over twenty years, I and mean, been being the best in the world at it, and then I've retired, yeah we can all make more money, we all want to make more money, but I've got enough um I've got myself a good woman
2: and i'm I'm happy, yeah, good, that's the most important thing. And um, I want to ask this because we had Johnny Nelson on last week's show, and you know, he really. Um, yeah. Sings the praises of 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 of, of Brendan Ingle. Right. Obviously, you were part oh, of yeah. that. You you were part of that setup there. Um, and Johnny was saying pretty much, you know, Brendan deserves to be mentioned amongst the greatest trainers that ever lived. He may be the best trainer that ever lived. Um, how much of an influence did he have on your on your life? Because obviously, you know, with Johnny, Johnny openly admits he yeah. had absolutely no talent. He would have been nowhere without Brendan. Um, how big of an impression did Brendan make on your life as well, Junior?
1: Yeah, Brendan may have been fresh in
2: my life.
1: Um, When I look back at him, I just think, he's just got moments of of wisdom just planted through, planted through all the way through stages. And like when I first turned pro, I turned pro with Brendan. And then as time went on, John and Dom kind of took over. Yeah, and I did more with them and less with Brendan. But it's like when I won the British title, Brendan were there. In fact, when I won the World title, Brendan were there. But the British title on that night, it was me and Brendan. And he just told me two things to do in the fight and they worked an absolute retreat. And they were part of the end of Bosworth when I look at him in that respect. Um, Not saying it still wouldn't have happened, but it just just made it easier. He saw things happening that you just had no idea were going to happen. He told me in 1999 that Floyd Mayweather were going to move up to all, all the weights and win world titles all the way up to welterweight. In 1990 he told me that. And I looked at him and I just went, Brenny's a super feather. <laughs> he's never going to come up to 10 stone 7. He's going to get past 10 stone because I'm going to beat him if he comes to 10 stone. But not thinking that. In reality, he's thinking he's not going to put on that much weight and work through the weights, the way he fights. If you look at him when he was super feather, he was a phenomenal fighter. He was banging people out. He had power. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was absolutely brilliant. And as he moved up, his style changed. He tweaked. He tweaked what he was doing. Um, yeah, he picked his fights, obviously. But, and he became the money machine that he became. Um, but Brendan saw that happening from 98 because he told me in 99 we'd already decided that before that. So I'm like, I don't know how you do it, Brendan, but you see these things. And it's like, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, these words of wisdom about training, about doing stuff, um, he allowed me to be me, um, added to, it just took what I had and he added to it. He didn't try, right, you're not doing, you're not switching. You know, yeah, everyone knew Brendan switched, but I always switched before I went to Brendan. Mm. And they were like, yeah, now you just need to do this before you switch. And this bit here, and just work on that, and it's like just them little nuggets here and there throughout my career,
2: um, priceless. Yeah, that's again what Johnny was saying last week. Is that you know sometimes he'd say things that sounded crazy, but they'd end up happening. He just seemed to you know realize things and and you know know things before they even happened. You know he seemed to get a lot right. Um, a true, a true, a true, a true uh, <laughs> yeah. excellent man and trainer.
1: He did, and he understood that. What I liked about him is he'd spend, he'd spend a little bit of time with me. He spent more time with Ishan. He spent loads of time with Johnny. He spent loads of time with us. Different fighters needed different amounts of attention. Yeah. And he never, and he'd never say, "I've spent ten minutes here, so I've got to spend ten minutes here, so I've got to spend ten minutes with him. He went, "You need ten minutes. You need two minutes. You need half an hour. You need three minutes." And that's how we did it because that's what you needed. And he spent little nuggets with me here and there and there. He spent more time with Ishan Pickering, um, with John Taxton, with Johnny, with, and with Johnny, especially at that stage, after, especially after that, Johnny was with him like, in some <laughs> touch of the hip. Um, Within where with, I mean, he spent a lot of time with Johnny. Um, Amir Khan, he spent a lot of time with him, and different people he spent a different amount of time with, because he just says, that's what you need, and he just, he did that a little bit with me, and then he says, you don't need him anymore. Mm. Yeah, I don't need to, the thing I like about you I remember Alma saying the thing I like about you is you come along, he tells you this little bit and then he leaves you alone and he doesn't have to come back and start repeating it and talking to you and spending days with you. I'm like, well, he's told me, hasn't he? So I listen to him and get what I can from it.
2: Like I say, uh, a real excellent, excellent trainer. And just uh, just finally, Junior, if you've got any closing words to our listeners just before we let you go, if it's any well wishes, if it's any words of wisdom, perhaps anything you want to say just before we let you go, and then and then you'll be free.
1: <laughs> um, you live once, enjoy it. Uh, think about what you're doing first. Be safe in this time of trouble that we're in right now. Um, Enjoy what you've got. Take a look around. You look at the good stuff that's in your life. There's a lot more good than bad. Have fun. And keep a lookout for my fighters coming through. Yeah. All the best. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. Listen, Junior, it's been a complete pleasure and a joy speaking with you and going over your entire career this week. Thank you so much for your time, and I wish you the very best for the future, my friend. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. Uh, we promised to whiz through this a lot quicker than we did part one. This this part's going to be about fights <laughs> that we want to see when boxing resumes. Um, we're going to start at heavyweight because it's only right to do so, but we're probably only going to go to about two, three, or four weight classes. Maybe we'll, we'll save um, some of the lower weights, like getting down to middleweight and, and welterweight, the rest of it. Maybe we'll save that for another week. But, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's start at heavyweight. So you can just throw these out to me, Eddie. Um some fights that you want to see at heavyweight. I think the fights the fight that we all want to see is obviously Fury Joshua.
0: Yes, yes. And still kinda of wanna see Joshua Wilder too. I still kinda want I still yeah. kind of wanna see that. I still do. But yeah, definitely that.
2: Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd like to see Joshua Wilder for the right to fight Tyson Fury, to be honest with you. you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's like that, I think the, the Joshua Wilder fight happening, like you said, first for the right to fight Tyson would be more more logical. That makes sense. And I got to ask you a question, Mr. Joe. <laughs> Who
2: would you favor in that fight? Joshua Wilder. Yes. Well, when, and I'll be completely honest, um, you know, no one really asks me questions on here. I need some questions um, more uh-huh. often. You know? Yeah, you, you deserve it too. Yeah. Yes. Um, But no, me being honest, I mean, when the fight first got spoke about, obviously Joshua uh, was undefeated and and Wilder was undefeated at the time. Um, I favoured Joshua definitely at the time, Mm -hmm. but since Joshua losing to Andy Ruiz and... You know, the way he lost and stuff like that. And I don't think I don't think he's shown a fantastic chin all the time. You know, you look back at fights where he seemed to get bothered by shots, like against Dillian White, like against... I think Alexander Povetkin had him in, tro- in trouble at one point. Um, obviously Klitschko, we, we already know about that one. Um, obviously Andy Ruiz. I think there was even moments in the Takam fight where he might have been hurt. But anyway, um, you know, I, I just think... I mean... I, you're going to agree with me probably with what I'm saying here, but Joshua is, is Mm -hmm. the much better boxer than Wilder, obviously, but Uh can he, can he dish out more punishment than Wilder throws? I'm not sure. So someone definitely gets knocked out. I think it probably would be Joshua just because, you know, he can't dance Mm -hmm. around like Fury did. And even when, when, when Fury tried that in the first fight, you know, he was on the, he was on the deck, you know, two times and all that. Can Joshua win right. every round apart from two rounds where he gets hit in? Because he will get hit at some stage. He can't do what Tyson did. So yep. exactly. I mean, he's not big and long and it's just just not that it's it's not that style for him. I know he did it against um he, he you know he showed it to an extent against against um Andy Ruiz, but Andy Ruiz is is a much smaller guy than Wilder, yeah. you know. And remember, Wilder is bigger not than Joshua.
0: One hundred percent definitely taller and longer, yeah. And with that being said. You also got to look at Andy Ruiz and what he was that night. Now he's, you know, he still at the end, end of the day he got in there and he still it was Andy Ruiz, so he still should have won the fight or could have won the fight, maybe you know by knockout. However, it should have been. But you got to give him the credit. Joshua did outbox him. But with a guy like Wilder, who's going to be in there, who's going to be in shape, who's going to be focused, who's going to be looking for that blood, because that's really the only way he's going to go and win. I I got to lean toward Wilder in that. I got to, yeah. and that's you know it's, it's the only way to go in my in my opinion.
2: Yeah, so like I say, I I, I backed Joshua when when the fight was first spoke about, but now the pendulum right. has swung, and I'm now back in Wilder to win that one. But um, just a quick story for those for those that may not know, um, there's there's I'm going to expose it now a little truth here about um, about Andy Ruiz in that rematch. Okay. Um, you know some people don't know this, but i was told that he flew to uh, to um, where did the fight happen again? Saudi Arabia. He flew to Saudi Arabia. Yes, that A long time, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot with with a lot of time basically before the fight came around. So he got he got himself right. there nice and early to acclimatise. And basically, they gave him the whole top floor of this hotel. So he had the whole top floor to himself. And he flew. He decided mm-hmm. to fly. He, he, we all know he likes food. He decided to fly his chef mm-hmm. out there, his personal chef out there as well, which is an odd choice. And um, basically, mm-hmm. he sat in that room for for you know i think maybe two to three weeks or whatever eating a lot more than he was training and then he seemed to just go backwards with you know he was in decent shape but he seemed to um you know at the weigh-in and all that when he weighed in everyone was shocked so um yeah that's 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 what i heard it was he actually flew his chef out there and he was enjoying good food and stuff like that and you know i've also heard other things i've heard other things that he's um you know, turned up to the gym where he where he trains. He, he's turned up to the gym with a different car every day and stuff like that. I'm not quite sure he was uh, no. not quite sure he was um you know uh, his uh, mind in, was in, in the right way, mind but, yeah, exactly, yeah
1: exactly right anyway that's right. that's that's yeah.
2: neither here nor there. Stuff happens. Heavyweight yeah. boxing credit yeah. to Joshua. Um other fights I wanna see I want to see Michael Hunter box at just about everyone in the heavyweight division. So I'm not gonna go <laughs> me. Yeah, me. You, that's a fight I never going yeah. to see
0: yeah.
2: um <laughs> But yeah, I'd like to. Obviously, we've seen him fight Pavekin. We've seen him fight Yusik at Cruiserweight, where, you know, again, Mm -hmm. I don't know if people know this, but Mike went down to Cruiserweight. It it was a silly move. He was never really a Cruiserweight. Um, He's a guy that's kind Mm -hmm. of caught in between, you know, if there was some kind of. uh, Wiener. Yeah, if there was some kind of. um, You know, if if the heavyweight division was split into heavyweight and super heavyweight, if he was down there at, at, you know, regular heavyweight, he'd be. Tremendous, you me know, too. he's given away. Yeah, just like me, yourself, me exactly, too. exactly. You're both in the same thing. boat. And um, anyway, yep. he, he fought, he fought, um, he fought, he fought. You Sigurd Cruz, cruise away, and he, he, um, he obviously weighed in, and then um, I think he, he, you know, went asleep that night or whatever. Woke up in the morning. Um, I can't remember what happened. It was, it was a. He, it's, he's told me it before. I don't think he likes telling the story too much, but um, he 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 was he was lighter on the day of the fight than he was for the um you know mm-hmm. for, for, for the actual weigh in he'd lost weight yeah. he didn't eat properly yeah. and um he'd fell asleep you know early on in the day i think he goes for a nap before you know before going to the fights and he was asleep yeah. and he was supposed to have been woke up at a, a certain time to eat and drink, but no one woke him up. Yeah. They woke him up when it was time to leave and go to the venue. So he turned up there without wow. anything. So pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. he got woke up out of his sleep to go to the fire and... He was so severely underprepared on the day, you know. No one woke him up. It was irresponsible yeah. of everyone around him, and um, he basically yeah. boxed on on um, on nothing. You know, he said he felt it after two rounds. He, he 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 felt right then and there that you know he he was. I think he even said he didn't think he was going to make it. He thought he probably even end up yeah. being stopped. He felt terrible, yeah. but he still probably won yeah. the first. Um, the first four or five rounds, easy. He was out hustling, Yusick and then he went out like against. That's that good. And then, um, yeah, Yusick, you know, the referee could have stopped it, in all honesty. Yusik was, was hitting Mike way too often on the ropes, and he gave Mike a standing yeah. eight count, which we don't see too much. And that was a 10-8 right. round, so Yusick ended up winning it unanimously. But a lot of people haven't seen that fight, and, uh, yeah, they don't know really what... Um, you know what what Mike what Mike did in that fight because he 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 made Usyk look second best while he was fresh while they were both fresh. But anyway, right. right? Um, yeah. So we've got Fury up there. You know, I just want to see him really fight Joshua. I don't want to see him fight anyone else. To be honest with you, um, Wilder. We right. like right. we like the Joshua fight. I Don't really want to see him in with anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. Usyk. Who would I like to see him fight? I know he's supposed to box Chisora. Yeah. Um, I think he wins that one really easy, anyway. But I don't. Yeah, I mean, that's I really not winning that fight for him, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a good like you know, obviously Chisora getting a resurgence a little bit. But I mean, it's it's still not it's not something you you know you when you think of a guy like you said coming from from you know cruiser and how great he was at cruiser, you want to see him fight the best of the best sometime a little too early, you know what I mean? But you still wanna kinda of see those fights. If you're talking about fantasy fights, we want to see him in there with with the names, with the with the real guys. You know what I'm saying? He he The problem is good. the
2: problem is I, I don't really care about seeing him with Tyson Fury. I don't think that's so yeah, much of not an action that. fight. Not. So I don't really want to see him have that fight. Yeah, not that I don't mind him in with Joshua, but we want Joshua to fight right. Wild Ar, and and right. Fury. Right. Joshua can't fight all these guys, so uh <laughs> yeah, hundred no, um, percent. But there's some other fights out there for him. But who would but you, I say, would you who, who do you want to see him with? Oh man, if I'm
0: a, mm, I mean, let me think. Like we mentioning the top ten, uh, damn, that's. a... I
2: was thinking about Andy a, Ruiz, that's but that's, that's either going to be a brilliant fight or that a terrible is. fight.
0: That's definitely. I think it has. There's, I, I, I'm, I don't want to say zero chance, but there's a very low chance of it being a bad fight. Because Andy Ruiz is going to bring it, period. Very he—that's just the way he is. No matter who he fights, you, not, you can outbox him. What's yeah, wrong? that's
2: what I'm saying. Do you not think he's, you know, a bit slow? A bit his feet are a bit slow. Do you not think Usyk no, could just dance around him and tattoo him?
0: He can try, but remember, he's been in there with six foot six guys. Usyk's not that tall. He's not that rangy. He is crafty and he can move. But if Andrew Reese is smart and he gets himself in the proper shape and doesn't eat his way away from the title or the, the victory he'll have just as good a shot as anybody to beat him you know what I'm saying because he has the hand speed if he if he gets his weight to a manageable I'm not saying he has to go down to 230 or anything like that because you know that's, that's a stretch for him but just be manageable where he can move and he can get in you know what I mean and make and make listen he has the power and the pop to, to, to get respect. There's no doubt about it. He can he can definitely make that would be actually a very interesting fight. Very
2: interesting. I um I said I wanna see Mike Michael Hunter box pretty much anyone. I'd love to see him in with Chisora. I'd love I think he wins that fight easy. I'd like to see him in with Chisora. Yeah, I'd love to see him sure. in with Joshua, but again everyone I wanna see everyone fight Joshua. Um, yeah. um a fight That's with, a good thing for Joshua. Yeah, <laughs> a fight I I wanna see this is a bit kind of you know, a bit off the scale of the kind of big names really that we've been discussing there, but this is a good fight. And these are the kind of fights that I like. These ones appeal to me sometimes even more than the best fight in the best because they're like the odd fighting the odd. But, um, right, I like I don't know if you've seen much of him, but he gave Dillian White a brilliant fight. And to be honest, he was, he was, you know, he had an argument I, did he win I, I know what you're talking Oscar about. Rivas yeah. against Joseph Parker? Yeah, 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 that's
0: that's a, that. I that was gonna say, that's a good fight. Joseph Parker would have been interesting actually too with um with uh dang okay you get his back with Andy well he already fought but with um no I was gonna say with Yusick but um what's his name I can't I'm losing my my whole mind but go ahead um finish what you were gonna say about the guys and I'll it'll come I've back I've always
2: to wanted to see I've always wanted to see the two. At the time, anyway, this is when, you know, before Joseph Parker was really on the scene, I always wanted to see the two P's fight each other. And the two P's in my head was Povetkin and Pulev. I still wouldn't say no to that. Yeah,
0: it's, it's yeah I mean, I, it's almost a wonder why that hasn't happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, you know, there's all kind of different reasons why, of course, it didn't happen. But, I mean, it's still out there. You know, as long as Povetkin's staying around, I mean, it's still a possibility. I don't see it not happening, you know what I mean? I mean it's a, like you said, it's a good fight to put together, pretty pretty sure it'd be an action fight. You know what I mean? Why not?
2: Yeah, I like that fight. Um you know, again like Joe Joyce is another one I'd say I'd, I'd chuck him chuck him in with pretty much anyone, but again he's supposed to he's supposed to be having that fight with Daniel Dubois.
0: Um That's crazy. Yeah that's that's actually not a bad that's, that's, that's a, a you know up and coming guys like yeah. I mean, why not?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: to get back to the old days, Go
2: ahead. and and there's just a bunch of guys that I'd love to see in with, with. Do you know who I'd like to see as well? I'd like to see. I had to just think to myself, have they already boxed before? Because for a minute, my mind went blank there. But um, just even, I'll, I'll give you a couple of Americans. I wouldn't mind seeing each other box. Um, Dominic Brazil and Charles Martin. Why not? I don't think they any of That I mean don't why? yeah why?
0: look at the end of the day, like Charles Martin just want to fight, I mean Dominic Brazil's still out there, why not yeah this is, this is the kind of stuff that happened though back in the day I mean these people fought each other, you know why you know don't avoid it just fight I mean you're gonna get paid you're you know the winner's gonna obviously have an opportunity for bigger bigger things you know what I mean just go ahead and do it I mean just, look what I did I had to do it, I had to fight everybody, you know what I mean there's, there's look there's there's no other option. You know what I mean, I know it's I know sometimes it seems like why would I risk you know an uh, an opportunity at a title fighting this guy? you know what I mean and, and yes, if you have an opportunity at a title, if it's a realistic opportunity then yeah, but if somebody like like Dominic Brazil, who we've already seen him get stopped by both, you know what I mean, or two of the top guys and the other one he hasn't fought yet, then it's like well, you gotta get your respect again to get yourself back in position for that, and if there's a guy like Charles Martin out there, why not you know. Take it, you
2: know what I mean? Yeah, a couple of fights I, I want to see. Again, I'm just kind of not really thinking this through too much, but Tyson Fury out of the equation. I'd like to see Wilder Joshua. I'd like to see Usyk, um mm-hmm. with with Andy Ruiz. I'd like to see Pavetkin take mm-hmm. on Dillian White, which we were going to see before this pandemic came around. I'd like to see Hunter and Chisora. Nice. I'd like to see Parker yeah. and Ortiz. I'd like to see mm-hmm. Joyce and um, Dubois, which we were going to see. Um, I'd like yeah. to see Charles yeah. Martin and, and um, Dominic Brazil. I'd like to see
0: um, this is have you beat a matchmaker, Mr. Joe you can do you, these all these fights sound interesting
2: I'd like to see <laughs> Huey Fury in with um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him in there with Martin Bacoli from a uk standpoint, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in there with Gerald Washington to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think Huey's at so much of what they call a crossroads
2: where he's like, oh, his career could be no, 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 no. He's still young. I think a big yeah. name, but a big but... a, a US, uh, you know, a, an American yeah. fighter, a big name yeah. on your record. Why not? You know, in fact, yeah, no, no, no. Fact, 100% Gerald no, I mean, actually, just... I tell you another story that people don't know. Gerald actually asked me to to uh, to, to to basically. Ask Huey for the fight for him, you know, and um, I, I. Really, he, he said, "Yeah, man. If you know him, man, you, try and say something to him for me, man." And um, you know, Gerald's a nice guy, so I. I just happened to bump into Huey Fury like the week after, and I said, "Hey, by the way, Huey, um, Gerald <laughs> Gerald Washington wants to fight you." So I basically called Huey out to his face, Eddie, and. um, wow. and, um and what did say? Huey what did say? Huey said, "Who is that?" <laughs> And <laughs> I, and I said, <laughs> I, "Oh my god!" I, I remember saying, yeah. um, "I said, you know, he boxed Wilder. I should have said he boxed Eddie, but I said he boxed Wilder. Yeah. Um, you know, he boxed Wilder last year. I think it was at the time, and uh, you know, he, he got stopped yeah. by him or whatever. And then I don't know, Hughie. I don't know if Huey was too impressed with me to be honest that day, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I,
0: I can't. I, you know, I can't say he was. You know I mean I you know what to be honest I thought Gerald did was doing a good job in the fight with Wilder until he got caught He
2: won every round but
0: man. how many other guys were that you know yeah, yeah. but um yeah what can you say
2: yeah but anyway that's pretty much the heavyweight division we've done to be honest Eddie I think we should probably pull the plug right there you know we've we've discussed it <laughs> we've discussed it yeah. quite in depth to be honest I mean yeah. if we go down to cruiserweight right, right, it's yeah. not going to be as in depth for cruiserweight cuz the names the names right. aren't, aren't, aren't big compared to the heavyweights. But, um, yeah, let's leave cruiserweight away and light heavyweight and some of the other divisions for, for perhaps another week. I'm sure we're going to get a chance to, you know, to sit down and speak again at some point during this whole pandemic, you know.
0: 100%, man. What else are we doing? So, we can definitely talk boxing. You know, I like it.
2: Absolutely well. Eddie um just before we we end the show, if you wanna sign out, if you wanna say something before we let you go um now's your time to do so It's uh in front of the listeners here
0: I just wanna say thanks Joe for uh, put, you know bringing me on no, thank you, keeping my name relevant to a degree you and you and coach Ant doing y'all thing with me, you know, and uh just to the fans, I'm hoping at some point if you know if I still have some supporters out there, which I think I do. You know, I'm hoping at some point to get back into the ring once this whole pandemic thing comes down, Damn. you know, calms down.
2: You're yeah, that's use, what I'm trying to, to do. I I'm, thought, I'm, thought, I'm, thought you were being quite harsh on that subject.
0: Look, well, I, I am. I, I am to a degree, but at the same time, it's like, I, it's, I feel like if I'm going to do it at all, it needs to happen. So when this calms down, I'm going to really take a good, good look at myself, not just in the mirror, but, you know, on the yeah. bag and in the gym and see how I feel, get some sparring in i mean don't get me wrong i'm always keeping my body in some sort of shape and i'm always eating right but it's time to uh really see if i have anything left in there and i still i feel great i feel better than i did you know you know in the beginning in, the end, in at the prime time i guess you know if you want to say um but i just really want to see what's left i just want to see what's uh, you know what's there and and if anything can be made of this and uh so we'll see but thanks to all the supporters. Not only supporting me, but also supporting this podcast and, and my man Joe. And uh, look forward to talking to you guys
2: again. Well said. Well, there you go. There's a little exclusive there. We may see the ring return of Steady Chambers. That will be interesting. That's Ooh. something. That's something I've known about <laughs> for a little while. But I didn't. Like I said, I didn't think you was telling anyone that. So uh, I, I don't really well, mention I, it. But you know, you, you that's a little exclusive. Right, well, you gave them.
0: Yeah, I like that exclusive thing. I like to be exclusive, sir. but no, but no. The reality, the, re- the reality of it is, I'm not getting any younger, as you know. So it's like, you know, what am I waiting on? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and you know, I might as well just go, just go ahead and, you know, push for it now. You know, what I mean, while I'm, we're in this situation at home, why not just start working on my on my body? I'm already doing the diet and work on my body and and prepare to uh, return if it's if it's if it's possible.
2: Okay. Well, like I said, it's always an absolute pleasure speaking with you. You know that anyway. Um, Speaking speaking to you about boxing or whatever it is, is always a pleasure. So thanks once again for taking part in this week's podcast. But like I say, that's it for the talking. That is everything. We brought you uh, part one where we discussed Huey Fury's um, potential future. Uh, we, We also brought in guest number one. Uh, the the sole guest on this week's show, I should say, and then we've we've given you some of the heavyweight fights we we want to see when this pandemic comes to a close. That is all the talking from myself and Eddie. Thank you very much. Okay, and this wraps up episode 239 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. The former heavyweight world title challenger, Eddie Chambers, has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the former super lightweight WBC world champion, Junior Witter. Sorry for the delay on releasing the podcast. We've had all kinds of issues this week, actually, so we've given you a lot to listen to um, to make up for that, I guess. Um, you know If you are still listening now, if you are still... listening to me speak right now then you are a star in my eyes and um, i just want to thank you all so much for listening Uh, remember to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast enjoy your weekends people and we will be back again next week